We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. First pick in the 1991 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Larry Johnson from University of I'm not supposed to be here, man. A lot of people from where I'm from, you know, don't, don't make it. We're back! All right, welcome in to another BuzzBeat. This is Richie. I wanted to share with you guys a conversation that I had with John Macri of the Knicks Film School podcast. And we are going to share just a little bit of a snippet between him and I. And we discussed the direction of the team, both the Hornets and the Knicks, and also discussed possible trades that could be worked out between the two teams and if that's feasible or if it's worthwhile between the two so we're going to go ahead and jump right in uh, with this conversation between john and i or rather do you think that like they've been waiting for the legal process to play out before doing their next move or, or doing something, doing a move? Or do you think it's just that there is no obvious move that they, or, or worthy move that they have deemed like, okay, this is a good pivot for us or somewhere in between. Yeah, it's probably somewhere in between. I, I think there probably are some moves out there that they can make that don't involve Miles Bridges uh, that they could kind of use to improve their team. But I, I do think it's kind of, I guess, silly to think that he will be back. Uh, but by the same token, they always say, you know, innocent until proven guilty. Like, mm. you know, let's keep him on the books type of thing. And I, I guess there's like a small hope that I think that they're thinking that he maybe will be kind of hit with a small suspension. But, you know, in the eyes of many people here in Charlotte, like they just, regardless of what the outcome is in the court system and, and then like the legal system and the NBA system. A lot of people just don't want to see him anywhere near the basketball court. So there are moves that they can make. You know, trading Miles Bridges is obviously going to be very difficult, but there's other outside moves that they can make. But I think free agency was really just their their plans were to re-sign this guy, maybe get one or two other players, but I think free agency, you know, obviously it's at this point where there's like not anyone left. They, they still have to figure out their backup point guard situation. But mm-hmm. other other than that, um, I mean, there's still some moves that they can make. I, I think a lot of people are frustrated by the the lack of moves. I, I, I can't I can't imagine another team having less transactions than the Hornets. <laughs> well, the Knicks didn't make a transaction uh, <laughs> that a lot of people expected them to make last 
last week. Uh, although they did do their fair share of stuff earlier in the summer. And of course, they did extend RJ Barrett, which we've been talking about a lot on the pod over the last week and everything that goes with that. You know, obviously, so the reason we had or having you on is to is to try to talk a little bit of potential trade, um, because I feel like since and, and Andrew's here, he correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like the, the first time we brought up the notion of like, hey, maybe we could send Julius Randle to the Hornets um, was brought up before even the end of the season. Andrew, is that fair to say? Uh, to an extent, um, the we have an off-season series, Richie, called Cap or No Cap, where okay. we go through a, a plan from our capologist and genius, Jeremy, every Sunday. And the very first episode that yes, of our off-season plan That's right. was a consolidation of assets. And the first asset consolidation was sending Julius to Charlotte. And here we are three, four months later, and... That is still an option we're exploring with you. If Leon Rose decides not to explore it, we'll at least explore it for him. Yeah, I mean, we we have to, you know, we have to help him out. So at least we could do. And you know, like I will, I will readily admit this, and I have readily ad- admitted this, you know, on a couple other pods we've done of this nature, where it's like, hey, might your team be interested in Julius Randle? It's like the t- the type of team that I've always thought might be interested is. I mean, so let's just be frank, the sort of team that the Knicks are, which is that kind of middle of the road, slightly below middle of the road team that it's like, hey, let's take a risk. Um, the big difference being Charlotte, not traditionally a free agent destination, although, right. you know, not like the Knicks have been a big free agent destination either um, over the long stretch of time that we have here. But like, that's the thinking, you know, and it's it's I, I don't I don't want to come off like, hey, take our crap. But it's it's almost like it might there be a level of interest in terms of the upside is worth it. Like just before even talk about Randall specifically, like what do what do the Hornets want to like? What do they want to accomplish next year? Do you get the sense that there's like a two, three, four, five year plan there? Is it very much year to year? Like where where are you guys at as a basketball team? Yeah, it's, it's difficult because a couple of years ago when they uh, acquired Gordon Hayward, I, I, I thought it was a good acquisition, but it also kind of sped up the process of like their rebuild that they were going for. It was the same year that they drafted uh, LaMelo Ball, and LaMelo Ball obviously had an awesome rookie season, had an awesome season last season, uh, making it to the All-Star game. They, they've been kind of wearing like two shoes at the same time in terms of trying to rebuild and compete at the same time, and they've kind of fell right in the middle. And I do think the acquisition of Gordon Hayward kind of sped up the process. And it's it's been a blessing and a curse at the same time, because, you know, with Gordon Hayward, he kind of brings that steady presence to a team. Uh, When he's been healthy, obviously, he's only like average 50 games per season when he's been here in Charlotte. The team has been good. Like he the team has been good when he's been on the court. But the curse being like his injuries have coincided with like this end of season spiral in, yeah. bo- in both seasons, right? Like they, they barely made it into the, uh, the play in. And then both of those play in games, they got pretty much blown out. And, uh, you know, they've done a fairly good job, uh, with developing their own players with PJ Washington and Cody Martin and, uh, Jalen McDaniels to a certain extent and obviously LaMelo ball, but it just feels like they have been just enough competitive to get into the playoffs and the play in, but obviously not good enough to make it, you know, to a first round, second round matchup. So it's hard to really tell what their plan is. And then obviously this miles bridges situation, which I've talked about 
kind of throws a wrench uh, in, in the plans and stuff like that. So I think their plan, hopefully, uh, knowing what their situation is, is to almost like to kind of take a gap year, okay. slow things down a little bit, see what they can do this year. Probably is not going to result in a playoff appearance and then go from there because uh, Lamella Ball is due for an extension, I think, next offseason. So it's funny. Andrew had a very nice rant on a pod that we recorded last night in which he was basically like, you know, speaking to Nick's management, because I'm sure they listen to this, uh, you know, <laughs> religiously. He's like, stop with the half measures. And hearing you say the plan is to take a gap year, I feel like half measures gap year. It's like, you know, six of one, half dozen the other. Um, but at the same time, like where the Knicks are at, like that, there's not really a whole lot of choice right now. They didn't get that on Mitchell. They have, you know, a bunch of young players, but at the same, you know, they're not bad enough to, to engage in a tank unless something goes really wrong. It feels like you guys are kind of in the same boat, especially since, and like, I don't know if you think about this a lot too, there's such a, and now with Utah joining the, the the tankers, there is like a very clear group at the bottom who's gunning for that, you know, the, the Victor Romaniana spot that it's like, you know, if you're a team like the Hornets or a team like the Knicks, it's like, well, what do you like? Is it worth like, do you, how do you, how does one even try to get into that group? It's like, it's, it's, I, I don't know. I don't think there's any easy answers. I also think too, like you, you've got to, um, prove to LaMelo that uh, this team is headed in the right direction. So you can't really just take a 180 all of a sudden. Is that already even, a thing? Proving to well, La- there are, there are some people that just think that LaMelo is like got one foot out the door. I, I really? it's hard. It's hard. I mean, I think there's a lot of um, people on Twitter that are Hornets fans and there's a lot of people on Twitter that are LaMelo fans and they only look out from LaMelo's best interest. And, and you just hear all these rumors and you just never know where they're coming from. Everyone says it's coming from LaMelo's camp, but there is a part of this like building this organization, not to appease LaMelo, but also to kind of show him that they're headed in the right direction. So there is a little bit of that. I mean, I we did uh, for shout out to our, our all of our patrons who are listening. We did our trade value rankings and I had LaMelo. I'm just looking up right now. I had him 13th. I think I might have had him a little low. I remember when I was talking about him, like 13 feels a little low. He feels like he could be in the top 10. He's just in not 13th best player in the league, but like in terms of like asset, you know, age, right. contract situation, the whole thing. So like I, I get it, but would like Michael Jordan? Like, you got to figure he's gonna he's not gonna like if the if there is an inkling that Lamelo wants out, he's gonna try to do everything to appease him, right? Yeah, I would think so. But I, again, it, it's so hard to tell because all these like rumors and, and talks that are going on, you just never know who they're coming from. And obviously, like Lamelo, uh, you kind of associate him with the West Coast and stuff like that. And everyone says, oh, he's going to the Lakers, going to L.A. type yeah. of deal. I just it's hard for me to believe. And obviously the Hornets do have kind of a leg up and in terms of being able to offer him that rookie extension in 2023. Sure. So yeah, I just don't think that they can take a, a complete 180 and just get off of everything type of deal. So they, they, they do have to show some kind of promise moving forward. Okay. So good transition. What's the starting lineup right now? So let's, as you've said a few times, let's assume that Miles Bridges is, is not going to be part of the basketball team. Like what, what's the starting five? Uh, Lamella at point guard. Is that a, is that a shock? <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, who who is the backup point guard right now? I don't even know. Hornets don't have a backup point guard. Uh, they played well, Terry that's Rozier. A they played Terry Rozier as some backup point guard minutes, which he did. He was all right with. Um, but it, it, you know, Ish Smith. They played backup point guard last year. That's right. Um, yeah. But yeah, but they they 
they technically don't have a backup point guard right now. Clyde Frazier's favorite player of all time, by the way. (laughs) I don't know if you knew that. I did not know that. Oh, know that. really? Oh, no. man. Our, yeah. Club, what Clyde Frazier, every time, no matter, no matter what team he's on, when the Knicks are playing, whatever team Ishmith happens to you know be employed by that year, he cannot stop talking about Ishmith and how much he loves Ishmith. So, yeah, it, it would be Lamelo at the one, uh, Rozier at the two, uh, Hayward, obviously, if he's healthy, which, you know, you can bank on being you know, healthy at the beginning of the season uh, at the three. And then you've got PJ Washington at the four. And then I would say Mason Plumley at the five. Uh, they drafted Mark Williams, but I, I just don't think that Mark Williams is going to be ready uh, to start day one. So yeah, I, I think the the starting five is pretty much, I wouldn't say set in stone, but I think it's a pretty much a consensus among, among people, how it's going to start at least. And, and PJ Washington is a guy who, um, is extension eligible this summer as uh, have there been any discussions as far as extending him or no, not, not that I've heard of, but uh, okay. I, I think, I think now that, you know, miles bridges could be out of the picture. Like this is just like the next guy up that I feel like is, is a young player, versatile two way big that has shown like he can guard multiple positions. I, I think he's got a lot of promise. Obviously he's not proven it as much as, as bridges, but he's definitely shown that ability on both sides of the court. But yeah, it, it, I think it would be smart to kind of extend this guy this offseason instead of waiting for restricted free agency next offseason. And yeah, like I, and we should say uh, guys of PJ Washington's caliber don't typically get extended until you're getting much closer to the start of the season and the, the extension deadline. I mean, there's always exceptions like Kelvin Johnson, but even I would, I wouldn't expect PJ to be quite in Kelvin's territory in terms of annual money. Um, so that's interesting to me because like I've looked at PJ before, cause I I'm always trying to construct fake trades and, and this yeah. and that. And if, is it, is it, is there a comfort level? Do you think there with playing him at the four with having him play 30 minutes at the four night? Cause I know he spent a lot of time at the five also his last two years, especially. Yeah, he's play, he's definitely played a combination of both the four and the five. I think where he excels offensively is probably more better suited to be at the five just because he can be that pick and pop big that can kind of stretch the defense and pull away that center from uh, the rim and, and kind of attack him off the dribble. I think sometimes, you know, when he's on defense, he's very versatile. Like you see him guard guards and wings out on the perimeter, yeah. uh, for extended periods of time, he gets in trouble a little bit when he has to go and, and bang and bruise with some of the bigger players. I actually would like to see him play more at the four than the five. Just use him in in, a, in the situational like end of game uh, type of situation, small ball five type of things where they can be very versatile on both ends of the court. But uh, I think in his first season, um, he almost played too much at the five. And I just feel like they need to dial that back a little bit. And I think obviously with you know, the acquisition, the drafting of Mark Williams, they've got Kai Jones waiting in the wings as well. Uh, maybe they can kind of pinpoint uh, PJ Washington at the four a little bit more. And now that Miles <laughs> is out of the equation, there's more minutes at the four to be had. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Don- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. So I've, I think I've, I've put it off long enough. Um, so Julius Randle, he's, he's a player, basketball player, currently plays for the New York Knicks. Um, I made my case uh, on our most recent pod, why the Knicks need to basically do everything they can to try to offload his contract. I, my understanding is they are at least talking to teams. Um, I heard something today that I'm pretty sure I believe that Charlotte is one of those teams. Um, you know, makes sense on uh, on some levels do you think that there was a world where the hornets might be interested in julius randall well i'll first give my personal thoughts on, on randall and, I, and i've heard Please, a couple because i have <laughs> I, i've heard a couple of your pods john i, I know how you feel about him you you are not the highest on on randall but i'm, I'm pretty lukewarm on him uh in, in terms of a couple of things just playing for the hornets fit wise but i'm just not entirely sold on him as a player Uh, The system that the Hornets do run is predicated on ball movement, you know, quick passes. They don't want the ball to stick too much. I think that like, you know, a couple years ago when he was shooting the ball like lights out from deep, I think that is where he can be unlocked a little bit more as like an underrated passer. But I feel like he does have some ball stopper tendencies uh, in my view. I haven't watched him as much as you, but be happy about that. Yeah, I think for the most part, I think for the most part, like that, you know, two seasons ago when he shot from behind the behind the arc on a pretty well clip, I think that was more of an anomaly more than anything. I think you, when you look at his career from the three point range, it's kind of like that low thirties range. So if I could guarantee that he would shoot as well as he did two seasons ago, maybe I'd consider it more. Uh, but you know, I do like his handle, his rebounding on both ends. I like his size, uh, being able to get to the rim through bully ball. Like those are some things that I do, you know, and like from his game, but you know, you really can't call him anything, you know, other than like a uh, average defender, below average defender. And also what does he do when he doesn't have the ball in his hand? Well, that's, I think that's, yeah, that's the biggest thing. I mean, I don't know what, if you can speak to that because I, I can't cause there's, there's no good answer. Okay. Okay. Because that that to me just doesn't fit within the system of what the Hornets are doing. I know that Borrego is gone at this point, but I, I just feel like that offense, even though they've transitioned over to Clifford, that that's going to be a mainstay with this offense in terms of just moving the ball, moving the ball. You know, and I just because you just said Clifford, like 
is there another head coach in the league that Tom Thibodeau is closer with than Steve Clifford? Um, so I'm sure those two would have a conversation, you know, if, if this was a thing that might happen. Yeah, let me, let me ask you a question real quick with uh, Randall, because obviously the contract is obviously unappealing too, having four more seasons. Is it more about the contract or is it more about the player for you or both? I mean, I know it's probably both, but if you had I, to choose. So it's, it's interesting because the we've, and we've talked a lot about it this summer about how there is like, there is a world at some point in which the Knicks would do well to have cap space. That world as of now, especially with the RJ extension is probably not going to be here until 2025, um, which is three years away. So yes, technically Randall is still, or he actually has a player option for, for that year. I'm not really worried about that. To me, it's about the player. And honestly, I, again, I, people call me a hater for going this road, but I don't know how you watch last season and go any other direction. It's about the person and the personality and the fit in a locker room that just seems to have a lot of positivity um, otherwise. And he was very much to, from an outsider's perspective. And I'm obviously I'm not in the locker room, you know, kind of a black cloud um, over a lot of, Otherwise, you know, good stuff. And there was other bad stuff going on last year. The Thibodeau, Thibodeau was, did not do a good job managing the personalities in the locker room. He did a terrible job with the Kemba thing off the bat because he didn't want Kemba. Um, yeah, uh, it's just I think the two sides need to move in a different direction. But it really I mean, it, it starts and ends with the basketball fit and everything you just said makes total sense. I guess the one thing if I'm the Hornets that I think I, I would at least I could talk myself into is I do think there is a world where he is like a 35, 36, 37% three point shooter on a consistent basis. Um, Cause I know last year it was not, it was not that, but I think the real number is it's not 41, but right. I think it's somewhere in between. So if, and it, but at the same time, he does really kind of need to be the five on offense and then it turns to like, okay, well, great. You got PJ Washington, PJ Washington could, can shoot because like, even though Randall can shoot, we all know where he wants to be. He wants to be down doing his thing, you know, 16, 18 feet from the basket and, and being able to maneuver from there to the hoop. But then you have your defensive questions and it's like, how much, how much do the, would the Hornets trust PJ at the five defensively? And that's, I guess that's a, that's a question for you. Yeah, like I kind of spoke to it earlier. Uh, I guess it just depends on the five. Like if, if the five is not so much a bruiser, because PJ is not necessarily like a rim protector. Like he's no he's no Mitchell Robinson, right? Like, I mean, not many people are, but he'll get his occasional weak side block. But he's more of just like a competitive guy that's out on the perimeter that can defend down low on the occasion. Uh, but he's not, you know, racing shots at a high level. So yeah. that could be an issue if you pair those two together. I just think from the Hornets point of view, I, I do have a couple of fake trades here that I, I would throw your way. But I Please. think from the yeah, yeah. But I think just think from the Hornets perspective, it's it's hard to justify trying to trade for Randall. Because I think what the Hornets are trying to do, again, they're trying to wear two shoes at the same time, but they're, they're also trying to get off long-term money. And they already have Hayward for this year and next year, and they've got Rozier for four more years. So I do have a trade, John, uh, but this doesn't necessarily get you guys off money. It doesn't necessarily get us off of money, but it could be the player-for-player player swap that you could be interested in if you think it's a personality thing or if you think it's something within the locker room. So Rozier's got four more years left at $96 million total. Oh, boy. Rand- 
Well, Randall is four years. What is it? Close to one twenty, something like that. Uh, it's so the uh, after the league year turned, his likely incentives transformed okay. into unlikely because the Knicks <laughs> didn't make the. <laughs> it's like magic because um, the Knicks didn't make the playoffs, and Julius Randall. I, I forget what the other one was. I think it's All Star or All NBA or so, so whatever. Something he did not qualify for. So as of now, it is four for uh, I believe one hundred six. So yeah. Okay, so, you know, you're saving $10 million if you want to look at it that way over the course. So I don't know how important that is to New York. Uh, it could be somewhat important to Charlotte. So let's say Charlotte throws you Julius, I'm sorry, throws you Terry Rozier, and then this 2023 second round pick from Utah, which is obviously just going to be a late first, right? So you get you get Rozier and a late first, aka early second from Utah. You send Julius Randle to Charlotte and then like a lottery protected first round pick. And the only reason I'm saying that the Charlotte would get the better asset of like the trade in terms of the draft pick is because I think Rozier is the better player today. And obviously his contract is less annually, but it doesn't necessarily solve Hornets getting off long-term money. And it doesn't necessarily get, you know, the Knicks off long-term money. Does that even kind of whet your appetite at all? Getting Rozier? Listen, you could trade me a bag of old shoes and it whets my appetite. Yes. No. It, I'm killing Andrew. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, Andrew. Um, it, it, uh, anything you want to chime in? No, Andrew's just going to laugh in the background. Shout out to our YouTube channel. Oh, man. Anybody watch this. Well, I, mean, I, I would do, I, I would, it would absolutely interest me. And I, I just, to be completely transparent, I have a newsletter coming out on the same day that this pod will air. And I, I'm, and I, oh, I even said it on the pod. Like I would give up a lot of a, a uh, one of the protected picks that they have for to 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 get off Randall. I think Rozier. I mean, is there? I mean, at this point, I feel like Rozier has been through the take cycle so many times. He's just he's just kind of a good player at this point. Like I, I feel like there was maybe not last season, or maybe it was one of the last two seasons. Wasn't there some like very 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 fringe all star buzz around Rozier? I think it might have been two seasons ago, but last year, year. okay, last year, I mean, there there were points during last season where he was like up and down, but like he's still a great movement shooter, creates gravity just coming off screens. I feel like him and Brunson can pair well together with Brunson kind of working the middle of the court and drawing attention in that way. And then obviously Rozier working on the outside. So again, it's not something that like I'd be like totally in love with because the Hornets would not be getting off money they'd actually be you know getting money but they could gain a first round pick in that situation so i you know i do you think that rosier i mean I, I think you i think i know the answer do you think rosier is the better player than julius randall it's such, very different players obviously they are and it's like and i think that's why for those there's a lot of people in new york who think that i'm crazy and i don't think that they're necessarily crazy because that's the thing is like julius randall can do some things with the ball in his hands that like are kind of, you know, when he, when he's not in the space that he was last year, like he does have real on ball skills that Terry Rozier has never showed in his career. Mm-hmm. And I think there is also a track record of Julius Randall again, when he's playing the five on offense or when he's alongside a stretch five on offense, either one doesn't matter. Six to one half doesn't the other. So like, I don't, he's certainly the better fit for the Knicks and on the Knicks, he would look like the better player and be the, the more useful player. Um, 
and like I know that there's been a lot of talk over the years about how good is Terry Rozier on defense because there were some years for a while there it was like oh he's really good and then it was like he's overrated and now it's kind of like but I he competes right on def- yeah. on the defensive end. Yeah, yeah, and I think one of the more underrated aspects of him on the defensive side of the court is not necessarily the on-ball stuff, but he has a knack for uh, kind of shooting the gap as an off-ball. That's like RJ. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's something that I think gets overlooked because I think a lot of people are down on Rozier on the defensive side of the court, and they just view this guy as a as a shooter, as a bomber from deep. Uh, but that is something that you can kind of point to if, if you watch the Hornets enough to know that he's actually fairly decent with that. So, but yeah, overall defensively, I wouldn't call him like a net positive, but he does compete. Like you said, John. Yeah. And I think that's the, I don't want to, I don't want to tag Evan Fournier with the, he doesn't compete label because I, I do think he, he like tries. He's just, there were just a, so many games last season where you would just be watching and you, you, it didn't matter what the numbers were after the game. You would just, as you'd watch the game and you'd be like, this person is not, he's taking so much more off the table than he is putting on the table, you know? And then I'm just looking at the, at the numbers. It's funny. Uh, Evan Fournier last season, effective field goal percentage, 54.1 Terry Rozier last season, effective field goal percentage, 53.9. So pretty much identical. Obviously I think Rozier on the ball is a little bit, gives you a little bit more juice. Um, whereas Fournier, I mean, Fournier, I've, I've said it a bunch of times. He had more threes than anybody in the league after January 1st. So, but wow. yeah, I think, I think Tibbs would, I mean, I think the Knicks would, would do something like this. Um, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah. Again, I, I don't know if I'm like overly sold on it just for the fact that I'm not just not overly sold on Julius Randall. Um, what I'm wondering, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm like, now you got me really think. So the, the, the Spurs, are the one team other than the Pacers are the one team to one of two teams in the league left that has cap space. And they also happen to have your protected pick. Um, is there a, th- some kind of three team construction where the Spurs are like, I don't know. They're taking on, maybe they're taking on Fournier and they're giving up that pick and sending that pick to Charlotte, but maybe we're sending them a better draft asset, but I, I don't know what draft asset that would be. I don't know. Or maybe we're sending them a young. I don't know. I don't know what we're doing. But yeah, I'm just three team trades are so messy, so messy. They are. But uh, <laughs> um, John, can I jump in? Yeah, please. You want to get nuts? Yes, let's get nuts. <laughs> let's get nuts. So you talked about the the Knicks uh, depth at guard, Richie. Um, well, you also said that the Hornets need a backup point guard, and we happen to have a guy that finished third in Sixth Man of the Year that uh, Tim Tom Thibodeau obviously swears by in Derrick Rose. Um, there was also, as John mentioned, a guy that made more threes than anybody else in the sport after the, uh, uh, was the turn of the year, John. So from January 1st, January, I see where you're going with this. So you're so going Rozier and Hayward, Rozier and Hayward for wow. Derek Rose, Fournier and Randall. It matches on trade machine. And then you guys, there's your whole off season. You went from not doing much to now depth to show LaMelo, Hey, we're committed to this for the next couple of years. And then it's not even that much long-term money because Rozier and Randall is an exact four years for four years. Derrick Rose is an expiring contract because it's a team option. And Fournier becomes an expiring contract next summer. So you guys actually trade. You guys actually, you might come out even, but in terms of next year, you're saving some money next year. Because you're saying, yeah, you're saying Evan Fournier. How many more years does Evan Fournier have? It's two plus one. It's two years plus a team option. option. So next summer, 
It's that that's the genius thing about the Knicks have had done have done some things in the last couple of years that are questionable, but they haven't done questionably is how they've structured all of their contracts. They're either in descending order, so they get cheaper as the years go by, or the last year's always a team option. So like Randall's the only one that has a player option in his last year, but Evan Fournier is a three plus one, but Derek Rose is a two plus one. That's why when they made the trade with Detroit on uh, for Alec Burks and Nerlens Noel, those were two-year contracts, but it's one plus a team option. So they end up being expiring contracts that they sent out. Interesting. Yeah, that's deceiving when you look at it on the the, the trade machine and just mm-hmm. see like two years. I, obviously, the team options are nice to have with Ro, uh, with Rose and Fournier. I've always been a fan of Rose, like just like in the quick spurts that he comes on yeah. off the bench, like getting to the rim and stuff like that. Like there's been something that, you know, just a story as well, like, you know, obviously overcoming those injuries and still being somewhat of a productive player and, and filling that need as the backup point guard position. I do think that, you know, obviously it's a three for two trade, which Hornets do have a spot for one more player. That's probably why they're waiting on their backup point guard. Who knows where they're going with that direction? Uh, So that would solve this. That's interesting. I I just think, well, I guess I guess Hayward's health would really be like the, the swing piece here because if you can't guarantee anything. But if Hayward was healthy, obviously you'd be getting a very productive player out of him. And then Rose again, again Rosier and, and Randall, like you mentioned, like it's the four years for four years. So it, it's that that is that is kind of like a even wash there. I just wonder with the Evan Fournier thing. I, I know you said it's a, it's a team option, but I just wonder if like the Hornets could maybe get like maybe get like a second round pick out of this. But other than that, that that seems pretty fair. And I, I wasn't does. even factoring in the, the pick compensation. Oh, okay. I would probably have to factor in. I was just trying to make sure the money matches up. The yeah. other, you know. The other, the other possibility here, and it, the the money difference would be significant. Is there's so there's basically there's three players the Knicks are trying to unload. One of them is Julius Randle. Um, I think Evan Evan Fournier. I don't want to say they're trying to unload Evan Fournier, but Evan Fournier is the salary that they were going to send out in the Mitchell deal. So I would assume, you know, sending him out is still something that they wouldn't mind doing. And then there's Cam Reddish, uh, who is a guy who's just looking for some court time. Uh, to become the star that he thinks he is. And uh, as people are slowly starting to realize now, uh, there's no spot in the rotation for him here in New York. Um, I don't necessarily know if there would be a rotation spot for him in Charlotte or any kind of a bigger role. But like, do you think he's a, a player that they might take a chance on as like kind of a young, you know, guy who still has some upside theoretically? Yeah, there, there's a couple players kind of down your your roster a little bit that I've always kind of pinpointed, and that's always been Miles McBride and Cam Reddish. Um, I'm not sure how willing you guys are to to give up Miles McBride and you know good defender, but yeah, Cam Reddish definitely thinks highly of himself, and I think the Hornets, especially under Steve Clifford, could always use someone that is. Um, a force on the defensive side of the court. He's really never developed an offensive game at this point uh, in his career. I know that he's kind of like, does he just have one year left on his contract? So it'd almost be like a uh, a year in which he just kind of tests himself here in Charlotte and and see how well he can play. I he's do in think that class. So yeah, same okay, same thing. Yeah. Okay, so I definitely think that the Hornets would value a player like him, just be, especially Clifford, just because of the things that he brings on the defensive side of the court. Obviously, it does not solve the backup point guard issue, but maybe some kind of trade with Cam Reddish and Derrick Rose. All right, guys, thanks again for joining us for another Buzz Beat. Uh, if you want to listen to the full 45-minute podcast, you guys can head over to the Knicks Film School podcast. We try to hash out this deal a little bit more. 
uh, maybe come up with one or two more possibilities. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, like I'm not overly sold on trying to acquire Julius Randle. I'm not sure if the Hornets are going to be very active in the trade market, uh, but obviously they do need to fill one more roster spot, and obviously that's going to be targeted their focus on the backup point guard position. And and we talk about a potential return uh, for Kimba and my preference as to where I think the Hornets will go with the point guard position. So I appreciate you guys listening to BuzzBeat. But if you want to hear just a little bit more of the conversation, you can head over to another Blue Wire podcast, Nick's Film School. They do a great job over there. Uh, And as always, guys, please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcast. It goes a long way. And then always, if you want to get a little bit more information about BuzzBeat Plus, check out the link in the episode notes about that. That gets you ad-free listening, early access. Uh, This episode was released a couple hours prior on the private feed. And also, you get the occasional exclusive episode. Uh, Last thing I want to make a note of, be on the lookout for a Scoot Henderson podcast uh, with Lee and Brian. If you sign up for BuzzBeat Plus, there's going to be a video version of that podcast with clips that go along with their talking points. So again, thanks guys. Have a good day and we will talk to you guys later. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.